witches. I'm Felicia. And I'm Holly. Join us as we embark on a journey to discover the ins and outs of witchcraft and what it means to be a witch in today's world. Grab your grimoires, your crystals, and a hot cup of tea, and let's get get spooky. Hey, Felicia. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing? I mean... I wish I could change it up, but uh, it's chaos. Life is chaos. I'm uh, yeah. Alex and I are heading out on vacation pretty quick here, which means everything is busier. I'm trying to do three weeks of school in ten days uh, before we leave. Mm-hmm. I got chaos mm-hmm. at work to try and prep to leave. We got podcast stuff we got to do before I leave. So <laughs> it's like yeah, the when are we gonna do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. So that's a conversation we'll have. <laughs> but it's... Uh, After this episode. <laughs> it's it's busy. It's a busy life right yeah. now. I'll say that. <laughs> well, it's September. It is September. It's the 1st of September today, my friend. Woo-hoo. Which means it's time for another tarot reading. Love it. I'm in. Which is perfect because if I'm not mistaken, you got a pretty snazzy tarot book for your birthday. So <laughs> I did. Yes. I was consulting the book just now. So um, the tarot's, tarot cards that I pulled today, there's a theme. Everything's in reverse. Oh, nice. So we start off with the Queen of Wands in reverse. Excellent. Ten of Swords in reverse. And then the Eight of Coins in reverse. So we're seeing the Queen of Wands. Um, <laughs> who do you think that's, that's symbolizing? You know, us? <laughs> us? Maybe with our... <laughs> Most likely. Our lives literally upside down. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, so Queen of Wands Reverse can suggest that you're more introverted than usual. Instead of being a social butterfly and center of attention, you prefer to linger on the sidelines and watch what's going on. Um, If you've lacked confidence, it invites you to bring your energy and attention inward and focus on rebuilding your sense of self and your resilience. I like that. That's nice. Yeah, you may have handed your power over to others by paying too much attention to their thoughts and opinions. Now you need to bring your awareness inward so you can hear yourself and access your personal strengths and talents. Nice. I, I very much resonate with that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Ten of swords in reverse indicates that you're combating an inevitable change or ending because you are not ready to face up to what is happening. However, the more you resist, the more the situation will drag on uh, so it's time to rip off the bandage. Fair. <laughs> Sounds like a conversation we were having not that long ago. Wink, wink, nudge, right? nudge. It can also encourage you to reevaluate your circumstances and let go of any aspect of your life that's no longer serving you. Okay. And it can even be a welcome sign that the pain and sadness you've been feeling is ending. Good. Fucking sweet. Yeah, that's, that's for you, babe. <laughs> yeah. That's for you, babe. I thank you, universe. Appreciate it. It's about fucking time. <laughs> and then, lastly, the eight of eight of coins or eight of pentacles in reverse suggests that you're working very hard on a project, and it's not quite leading you to the desired outcome. What? Instead, you're feeling frustrated and disappointed by lack of progress, or you might be keeping yourself busy with small tasks but struggling to make progress towards your bigger goals. It's time to take a step back and assess whether you are indeed focused on the right things or if you need to shift your focus to bring your activities back in alignment with your broader goals. Well, you know what I have to say to that? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> that's I feel it. Yeah. In my bones. Yeah. Fuck that tarot reading. <laughs> like, I don't even have anything to say about it. Like, yeah. Feel like you got beat up by a deck of cards or yeah. what? <laughs> Fucking spot on. You're right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Ho- hopefully. But it's coming to an end. <laughs> hopefully a week in the California sunshine makes life so much better for me, but we'll see. <laughs> right? Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. It'll, it'll be good for you. I haven't had um, a single vacation day since September of last year. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than like a sick day, a sick day, a doctor's appointment, and a funeral I went to, which I don't think any of those count as vacation. <laughs> no, they don't. They absolutely do not. No. I am on day 12 of a 17-day-long work week. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so... You are so... It's, it's almost over. You're it's almost to an there. End. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, eh? Yeah, that September long weekend's coming in real hot. Whew. Can't wait for I'm that gonna, holiday. Yeah, I'm going to fucking that sleep. That day off. I'm going to sleep, <laughs> sleep, sleep, sleep. As if my dogs would let me. Yeah, fair. <laughs> you tell your husband and your dogs, get out of here. Right? Go rent a um, hotel room for the night. <laughs> Also, I should tell you about I went for this new job that I'm hopefully going to get. We'll see. Part of the requirements of it was a psych evaluation. And I did that on my birthday. How was that? Was Monday of last week. Um, Well, I told the psychiatrist or the, the psychologist about the podcast. So if you're listening, hey. <laughs> also, it was horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> listen hey <laughs> she says to the but also you made me feel very bad <laughs> do you do you want to talk about it online or offline i don't really want to talk about it at all all okay. i'm gonna say is it was not pro- it's probably not a great choice to do that on my birthday because afterwards i just felt like a bag of shit I, literally like, i got home and i looked at mike and i was like I'm just tapped, man. Like, my day is done. Aww. I need to go to bed. Like, I was just like, I felt, like, Emotion- mentally drained. Yeah. So. Yeah. I yeah. I get that. I, I mean, I have gone to a therapist because I want to. And yeah. even I have left some of those sessions like, well, fuck me. Should I? Like, am I just, like, the worst human being walking planet Earth right now? Or? So. It was an hour and a half of just talking about myself, but like asking very pointed questions to me. Okay, and like about my past and everything. It's not. It's not like a therapy session. It's it's where it's someone's like trying a, to help you walk through your emotions. Yeah, and what's no, coming it wasn't up? That. <laughs> it wasn't that. No, 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 no. It was certainly not that. <laughs> but the good thing about how awful I felt after is I actually asked one of my my um friends that is also a psychologist about it and she's like oh yeah psychophiles are fucking rough dude yeah (laughs) well at least if you left feeling good that would be a red flag (laughs) i said okay good you left feeling good you're a fucking narcissist (laughs) you are out of touch with reality (laughs) exactly right so i'm like okay well Maybe I didn't do as poorly as I think I did. We'll I see. feel like you've thought you've done poorly on every step of this uh, process. Every step of the way. And yeah. Here we so are. We'll see. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> if I expect nothing at all, then I can only be pleasantly surprised, Exa- right? I, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's how I'm doing it. Well, good for you. Um, but yeah, anything anything else happening that you want to talk about on the podcast at all for you? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, I'll put this out there. We got a really wonderful message. Um Oh yeah. From a listener, which we yeah. we have to respond to. Uh we read it. It was wonderful and it was one of our listeners. So if you're listening, um last time we checked, you were only at episode seventy seven, so you might still be behind a little bit. But she had told us that she had listened to us on a drive, a very long drive. Um Yeah. And, province. And she just had a great time with us and that our friendship reminded her of her best friend who she was driving cross province to see. And we just wanted to let you know that our tiny, cold little Grinch hearts grew three sizes that day. And it's moments like that that make all of this worth it. If that makes, it any makes sense. us want to continue doing that, doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this, this like if like, OK, of course, everybody says like, oh, you know, we want to like build a platform and make money and blah, blah, blah. You know, like whatever you call it, what it is, it's a, a business model in some perspective. But like, yeah, I think at the core of it, creating legitimate, genuine connections with people was what we want and what we have always yeah. wanted. So to have somebody reach out to us and be like, I feel like I'm part of the conversation with you and I feel like I'm part, like I'm friends with you guys and you make me laugh and smile, like honestly was just, yeah, heartwarming and lovely and we appreciate it and we love you and hopefully you're caught up to these episodes so you can hear us gush about how wonderful you are. <laughs> and also please know you, li- I literally cried. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it hit me it hit me in the feels it hit me hard it got me right there in the squishy bits it's funny because when she's like you guys remind me so much of me and my best friend i was like y'all must be cool as fuck (laughs) 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 we should we should hang out (laughs) for real though for real (laughs) yeah so if you're listening (laughs) love your girl (laughs) speaking of uh long drives the other day, I had, um, well, I have a fairly decent drive on my way to work. It's like a half hour or whatever. And then I had to go from my work another half hour to another place after work the other day. Mm. And on, so let me tell you this. On my way to work, I saw a murder of crows. So like, oh, easy. Yeah. Like 10 crows. Cool. And then I left work and I saw another murder of crows. Bro. And then I got to my destination that I was going to, and I saw a third murder of crows. Well, rule of three. Rule of three. So, like, I live fairly rural. It is fairly common to see a couple of crows here and there every day. Mm -hmm. But to noticeably see multiple groups of 10 or more crows in one day is basically unheard of for me, right? Yeah. And I thought, you know, we've touched on the importance of crows and ravens and a few different mythologies kind of in passing on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But today I've decided that we're going to go deeper. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Here it is. Talk about crows, baby. (laughs) You know, I do love crows. I think they're super cool. (laughs) And they're incredibly smart. So smart. So smart. So smart. Yeah, so smart. It's not even funny. But like 
So we've touched on a few different, you know, symbol symbologies, mythologies of them here and there. But like, I don't think you realize just how widespread the mythology of crows goes. Oh, I no, I would no. say no, I don't. <laughs> I certainly didn't realize. So <laughs> let's get into it. Okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> So both crows and ravens have appeared in a number of different mythologies throughout the ages. In some cases, these black feathered birds are considered an omen of bad tidings, but in others, they may represent a message from the divine. Isn't that so weird that, sorry to interrupt you already, but it's so funny how things are so different from pantheon to pantheon. There's differences and similarities like that coincide alongside each other, really. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to see in a lot of different ways. Cool. So although crows and ravens are a part of the same family, the corvid family of mm-hmm. birds, they're not exactly the same bird. Typically, ravens are much bigger than crows, and they tend to be a bit um, shaggier looking, like their feathers are longer. Yeah. The raven actually has more in common with hawks and other predatory birds than the standard smaller-sized crow. Okay. In addition... Although both birds have an impressive repertoire of calls and noises they make, the raven's call is usually a bit deeper and more guttural sounding than that of the crow. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) But in today's episode, we're kind of going to be using the terms crow and raven interchangeably. Okay. Makes sense? Well, yeah, because I could imagine like, you know, if you're talking about pantheons that are, you know, very old, that the distinction between the two birds maybe wasn't always made Mm -hmm. right or they were referred to in some areas as ravens other areas as crows blah blah Mm -hmm. blah yeah no exactly totally crows play a deep role in human mythology and have featured in folklore for thousands of years and as the birds are similar their role in symbolism overlaps considerably nice okay still they're not the same birds and sometimes symbology does differ across many type of corvids but today interchangeable okay so these birds as you mentioned earlier are known for their remarkable intelligence and have been the focus of numerous studies into animal cognition cool studies reveal that crows are not just excellent at solving problems but are also capable of complex abstract thought which adds to their intriguing status yeah because of its black plumage croaking call and diet of carrion the raven is often associated with loss and ill omen Yet this symbolism can be complex. As a talking bird, it's also representing prophecy and insight, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Ravens are depicted in stories often as uh, psychopomps. That sounds right. Psychopomps? Which is, um, yeah, which is another word for like a diviner, like um, a connection between the material world and the world of spirits, Oh, I see. Yep, yep, yep. I know. Like a medium. Yep. Yeah. But what's remarkable is that crows, and especially ravens, have rich symbolical meaning in practically every culture and society worldwide. Oh, wow. Including ancient Mesopotamian, Mesoamerican, Greek, Roman, Indian, and South Asian, Norse, Pacific Pacific Northwest, Celtic, Medieval European, Christian, and modern Western cultures. Oh, it's just a few. <laughs> just like all of them. Just a few just, here Just and about there. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> the French anthropologist Claude Levi Strauss would not the Jean man. <laughs> I just see Levi Strauss and I immediately assume jeans. Um, but he was an anthropologist. 
<laughs> he theorized that ravens gained mythical status as they mediate life and death by consuming the flesh of dead animals. These scavengers frequently appear next to death, which combined with their intelligent behaviors really kind of sparks imagination to life, right? Yep. Yep. In modern Western culture, crows symbolize death, the afterlife, wisdom, intelligence, adaptability, clairvoyance, fortune, destiny, transformation, and the future. So like it's spread out here, past, present, future, basically. Well, and it's so many different meanings, right? Like or no, exactly. symbolism. Yeah. You can see crow symbolism as both positive or negative or as both good and bad omens, depending on where in the world you are. So let's look at the symbolism connected to crows and where we see that symbolism used in the different cultures and beliefs around the world. Okay, Ready? let's. Let's do it. <laughs> it's not a deity feature this week. <laughs> it is a fucking animal feature. It's a creature feature. <laughs> creature feature. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it so much. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry episode I of this really <laughs> title of this episode <laughs> for real okay so let's first look at where they symbolize death as death is one of the most common denominators for crow and raven symbolism for sure i think it's it's i think it's the most widely known for sure well especially you know like they're scavengers they appear next to dead animals and because of that they're often linked to death itself Death. yeah mm-hmm Serbian and other old European writings and poems frequently refer to the crow as a symbol of death. For example, in Swedish folklore, ravens are the ghosts of people murdered without a proper Christian burial. And in old German storytelling, they're seen as damned souls. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. So the crow itself is like, is the damned soul. Yeah, is Whoa. the embodiment of the damn soul and the embodiment of, like, a ghost of a murdered person. Damn. So on and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa. That's cool. I haven't heard that one. You think that's crazy? Just wait. It gets so much better. <laughs> it gets so good. In Celtic folklore and mythology, ravens are associated with the goddess Morrigan, as we know. Love her. Who is associated with death and war and guard the natural environment. So the guardians of the natural world. Okay. And what's more natural than death? Yeah. You tell me, you know? Yeah. It's, count- it's counterpart <laughs> life. That's about it. Right? And I'd exactly. say they're equal. <laughs> yeah. Ravens are prominent throughout medieval Welsh texts, and several characters in Welsh mythology have names associated with corvids and ravens. Bron the Blessed and his sister Bronwyn are two of the best known characters from the Mabinogen. Both of these names derive from the Welsh word for raven, right? So Bron the Blessed and Bronwyn. Uh, In some tales of the Mabinogen, the raven is a harbinger of death. It's also associated with witches and sorcerers that were believed to have the ability to transform themselves into ravens and fly away, thus enabling them to evade capture. It's funny because there's some, uh, the first real introduction I ever had to ravens uh, or crows Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe, so I've read a lot oh. of Poe's short stories. Nevermore. Yes. <laughs> yes. So this is kind of a lot of what's in his mythology. It's a part of midnight yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> so that's like, you know, that's a lot of what's representative in his work is like, like you said, like death. And then also these like this um, idea of what's it called? Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Into the raven. Yeah. So it was like the sorcerer into the raven. Um, in Yakut mythology, two ravens or crows flying over the warrior's head in battle symbolized the Yakut gods Ilbis Haya and Ohol Ula, which were two evil spirits of war and violence. Oh, wow. And uh, Yakut is um, indigenous people of like Western Russia down Ooh, like okay. further south and in, in like heading towards Turkey. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They kind of span across that general region. Different countries. Yeah. 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 It's like trying to put a pinpoint on where the Romani are from. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like you just can't. After battle, crows and other corvids arrive in droves to feed upon the flesh of the dead in, in war. So it's often said that where death goes, crows follow. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Kind of a little bit morbid there. Um, <laughs> But in the Hindu religion, Dumavadi is the crow goddess of the void, which is a place before time and the place after time ends. Ooh. She's associated with death and transformation as well. Mm-hmm. And many depictions show her on a cremation ground looking like death itself, Jeez. like with decaying teeth, long yeah. fingernails, kind of like a hag-like appearance. Jeez. And she carries the death god Yama's horn. And sometimes wears a garland of severed heads. Incredible. So it comes as no surprise that Dumavati's animal guardian is the crow. The crow. Yep. Mm -hmm. She is often depicted either riding a large crow or being pulled in a chariot by two blackbirds. Cool. That's fucking cool. That sounds badass as fuck. That does sound badass as fuck. That's fucking big. (laughs) That's boss bitch energy. (laughs) Yeah. And so... But this, a pattern kind of emerges with crows and raven gods and goddesses having guardianship over the dead, right? Yeah. Therefore, many death gods are related to the blackbirds. Yeah. Nephthys, the Egyptian goddess of the dead, is no exception. She bears the crow as one of her symbols, um, and she married Set, the god of disorder. However, Nephthys becomes impregnated by Set's brother and births Anubis, the god of mummification. Doesn't he have like a bird head in his depiction as well? Oh, Anubis I'm, is. Oh, I'm thinking the, of Horus uh, the or dog. something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think is it Horus? This that's or I I'm just gonna stop talking. <laughs> Maybe it was Horus that I'm thinking of. Horus has a has an eagle like a hawk face. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's what it, that's what I'm thinking of then. So the crow appears in some places as her companion. She is a goddess of the dead and oversees funerary rites. Very cool. And another association with death can be seen in the Quran's version of the story of Cain and Abel. Mm. A raven is mentioned as the creature who taught Cain how to bury his murdered brother. The story, as presented in the Quran, states that Cain, having murdered Abel, was kind of lost for a means of disposing his brother's body. And while scanning the surroundings for a solution, Cain noticed two ravens, one dead and the other alive. And the still living raven began digging the ground with its beak until a hole had been dug in which he buried his dead friend. Mm. Upon witnessing this, Cain realized his solution in the Quran. Yeah. In parts of the Appalachian Mountains, a low flying group of crows means that illness is coming. But if a crow flies over a house and calls three times, that means an impending death in the family. Jesus, dude, you saw way too many crows today to be. (laughs) 
if the crows call in the morning before the other birds get a chance to sing, it's going to rain. And despite their role as messages of doom and gloom, it's bad luck to kill a crow. Oh, it makes sense, though, that it would be bad luck to kill a crow because if they're like representatives of like death gods across different pantheons, mm-hmm. like you don't <laughs> don't kill the messenger, you know? No, exactly. Right. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and if you accidentally do kill a crow, you're supposed to bury it and be sure to wear black when you do. Oh, interesting. Isn't okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for death. Just that. <laughs> just that just those few things just a little just a little deathy just a little doom and gloom so let's get into what else they're known for which is divination fortune telling and as messengers okay this is where it gets good we got we got the sad stuff over with buddy i liked the first bit too <laughs> i was here for it <laughs> so ravens and crows are frequently associated with divination fortune telling or the future For example, the Norse god Odin sacrificed an eye for wisdom and instead relied on two ravens for sight, Hugin and Munin. And these two crows flew across the world and delivered him information. And I don't know if you knew this, but their names roughly translate as thought and memory. No, but that's fucking cool. Right? Yeah, dude. Like, okay, you know what? Here's the thing. I always say this, if none of this ever turns out to be true, and it's just like these wonderful myths and legends that were created, like, fucking good on you, because they're great, and I enjoy them. So, you know, like, I love it. I do too. I enjoy it a lot. Augury, divination using birds, was popular among both the Greeks and the Romans, and augurs interpreted messages based on not only the color of a bird, but the direction from which it flew. Fuck off. So a crow flying in from the east or south was considered favorable. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was divination with birds. Dude, every time we do an episode, I'm like, well, that could be an episode, and that could be an episode, and that could- That's the whole point. Every time we do the episode, we learn something new, and that is the point. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> it, it would be real boring if we didn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so cool. And for the ancient Greeks, the crow was a symbol of Apollo in his role as god of prophecy. Yes. It said that he sent a white raven as a messenger, right? White raven. Didn't stay white. According to myth, Apollo sent the white raven with his lover Coronis to keep an eye on her. And the raven watched Coronis fall in love with another man. Uh And when the raven brought back the news that Cronus had been unfaithful to him, Apollo scorched the raven in his fury, <laughs> turning the animal's feathers black. Well, there you go. Don't kill the messenger. That's obviously where it's coming exactly from. Exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly it. Right? Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of white ravens right now. Kind of scary, but they're really cool they're a little looking. freaky. They're a little they freaky a little looking. Freaky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't realize how kind of freaky they are. Like, Yeah. That's freaky. Yeah. That's a freaky thing (laughs) but they exist (laughs) yeah they do (laughs) in in africa it said that the crow warns men that dangers are menace like what dangers are menacing them oh and the crow acts as their guide and like protector spirit okay for the mayans the crow was seen as a messenger for the god of lightning and thunder nice that's cool japanese 
mythology also features both ravens and crows prominently. And in Japanese mythology, ravens are usually associated with rain and thunderstorms. Yeah. They are also said to be able to transform into human beings. And then the raven god or spirit Kuchka is, or Kucha, is important in the shamanic tradition of the Koryak and other indigenous peoples of the Russian Far East. So it's Koryaks are the Russian Far East. Russian West and South is the Yakut. Okay. Kucha is traditionally revered in various forms by various peoples and appears in many legends as a key figure in creation. Oh, interesting. Okay. And also as a fertile ancestor of mankind, as a mighty shaman, and as a trickster. Love that. Many of the stories regarding Kutka are similar to those of the raven among the indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest Coast, indicating a long history of indirect cultural contact between Asian and North American peoples. Oh, okay. Interesting. So speaking of the North American peoples... (laughs) <laughs> the raven also has a prominent role in many of the mythologies of the indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest Coast. I'm going to mention right here that there are many different nations within the Pacific Northwest. Oh, fuck. So many. So many, yeah. Each with their own distinct history, culture, and society. Of course. Some cultures in this region were very similar and shared certain elements, and several of them shared... Um, similar beliefs of the raven, which is why they're kind of a lot of them are being kind of lumped together in together. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So the raven in these indigenous people's mythology is the creator of the world, but it is also considered a trickster god, very similar to the Russian yes. um, version, right? Yep. For instance, in the Klingit culture, there are two different raven characters that can be identified. Although they are not always clearly differentiated. One is the creator raven, which is responsible for bringing the world into being and who is sometimes considered to be the individual who brought light to the darkness. Oh, cool. The other is the childish raven, always selfish, sly, conniving, and hungry. Mm. That's the more common uh, (laughs) uh, features that I have heard attributed to ravens or crows. So... When the great spirit created all things, it said that he kept them separate and stored in cedar boxes. All the things. Oh, wow. And then the great spirit gifted. So, sorry, I should mention, I'm going into a creation myth here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the great spirit gifted these boxes to the animals who existed before humans. And when the animals opened the boxes, all the things that comprised the world came into being. So these boxes held such things as mountains, fire, water, wind, and seeds for all the plants. Oh, wow. And one box, which was given to Seagull, contained all the light of the world. Seagull coveted this box and refused to open it, clutching it under his wing. And all the people asked Raven to persuade Seagull to open it and release the light. Yeah. And despite begging, demanding, flattering, and trying to trick him into opening the box... Seagull still refused. Finally, Raven became angry and frustrated and stuck a thorn in Seagull's foot. (laughs) Raven pushed the thorn in deeper until the pain caused Seagull to drop the box. Yeah. And then out of the box came the sun, moon, and stars that brought light to the world and allowed the first day to begin. That's such a cool story. That is such a cool story. 
but it's that's so, the one from Lingit culture. It's yeah. so funny too because like y- you talk about like this like trickster conniving god, right? Like these correlations with the like that trickster god, right? And it very yeah. much reminds me of like say like a Loki. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And then this story is quite similar to like the same behaviors you'd see in like a Loki type figure. So it's just it's super interesting all the correlations. Yeah. And then another raven story from Puget Sound uh, region describes the raven as having originally lived in the land of spirits that existed before the world of humans. One day, the raven became so bored with his land that he flew away carrying a stone in his beak. And when the raven became tired of carrying the stone, he dropped it and the stone fell into the ocean and expanded until it formed the land on which humans now live. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. And I'm going to end off here with another um, ancient story. Very similar to um, the one of the Tlingit people. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one is like, it's a little bit longer. And it's, I think it's, I like it more. Okay. You'll see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll wait for it. I'm here for it. It also tells about how the raven helped to bring the sun, moon, um, and stars to the world, right? Okay. So let's let's get into it. Let's do it. Long ago, near the beginning of the world, Gray Eagle was the guardian of the sun, moon, and stars, of fresh water, and of fire. But Gray Eagle hated people so much that he kept these things hidden. People lived in darkness without fire and without fresh water. Scary. But Gray Eagle had a beautiful daughter, and Raven fell in love with her. In the beginning, Raven was a snow-white bird, and as such, he pleased Grey Eagle's daughter. She invited him to her father's longhouse. When Raven saw the sun, moon, and stars, and fresh water hanging on the sides of Eagle's Lodge, he knew what he should do. He waited for his chance to seize them when no one was looking, and he stole all of them, with a brand of fire also, Uh and flew out of the longhouse through the smoke hole. As soon as Raven got outside, he hung the sun up in the sky. It made so much light that he was able to fly far out to an island in the middle of the ocean. And when the sun set, he fastened the moon up in the sky and hung the stars around in different places. By this new light, he kept on flying, carrying with him the fresh water and the brand of fire he had stolen. He flew back over the land. When he had reached the right place, he dropped all of the water he had stolen It fell to the ground and there became the source of all the freshwater streams and lakes in the world. Then Raven flew on, holding the brand of fire in his bill. The smoke from the fire blew back over his white feathers and made him black. Black. Oh, whoa. When his bill began to burn, he had to drop the fire brand. It struck rocks and hid itself within them. And that is why if you strike two stones together, sparks of fire will drop out. Raven's feathers never became white again after they were blackened by the smoke from the firebrand, and that is why Raven is now a black bird. Oh wow, that's so cool! Isn't that cool? I like that. I like that story a lot. That yeah, is cool. I think I like him being a little, uh, a little bit more thievery. Yeah, a little more than, devilish. A little more thievery than torturey. You know, <laughs> I prefer that. <laughs> yeah, fair. We love a good trickster. Murder's not always the best. <laughs> no, right? We don't like thorns. We don't like, you know, stabbing. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Poor Great Eagle probably came back and was like, fuck. 
But I thought that was really cool. I thought it was a really cool kind of story. I enjoyed it. And there's a lot of other deities that the Ravens are associated with as well. Baba Yaga is one of them. There's a couple that I didn't really touch on that we can totally look into later. Or you guys can, you're welcome to look into it as well. Yeah, absolutely. But to kind of summarize this episode a little bit. <laughs> um, Raven and crow deities can be found in cultures all around the world from Europe to Asia to Africa. In many cases, deities share similar characteristics with crows and ravens as they are often tricksters who enjoy playing pranks on humans or other creatures in folktales. Yeah. But regardless of their role in any particular story, crows and ravens are always fascinating creatures full of mischief and magic. Ravens have been seen as a symbol of knowledge, wisdom, and mystery in many cultures over the centuries. The gods and goddesses associated with them vary from culture to culture, but they all share one thing in common, an appreciation for the powerful bird that is revered by so many. Whether you are looking for inspiration or simply appreciate the power of these majestic creatures, learning about their connections to various gods and goddesses can be a fascinating journey into our past. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It that was a great episode. No, I was Thanks, not dude. expecting it at all. <laughs> not at all. I loved it. I loved it. It was I, so good. I just I felt like I needed to do something about ravens and crows because I saw so many in one goddamn day. Yeah. So. Fair. <laughs> you uh, you uh, took the sign <laughs> and I I did it. I took it very literally. You're like, "Okay, <laughs> okay universe, I got it." <laughs> Message heard. Yeah. Picking up what you're laying down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had a great time. I love ravens and crows. I think they're such fascinating birds. And I I don't know. I love anything that kind of gets a bad rep. And then you actually learn about them. And like, I don't know if you've ever seen some of the... You have. I know you have. But maybe for listeners out there who have never really thought of ravens or crows more than just like dirty scavengers, um, Mm -hmm. you should really check out some of the behavioral science that crows and ravens have especially crows have given to biological scientists to really teach us about animal behaviors like it's to the point where they can like use tools like human made tools to unlock and maneuver and manipulate mechanisms in a way that is like so fascinating and it has really allowed us to like study birds in a totally different light in the last 25 years and they are such fascinating creatures. They really are. Like they are incredible. And you know what? Put some cat food out for them. <laughs> Go put some food out for them. Yep. They're gonna bring you shiny little trinkets. They will befriend your crows. Yeah. Befriend, befriend your neighborhood crows. Because why not? Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. Also, I don't know. Life's too short. It's funny because maybe growing up as far north as we did, um, like I understand that maybe other people haven't seen them, but like. The ravens that are up north in Canada here are fucking huge. Like, I did not realize how big ravens were until, like, I actually started looking for them. And then you see them and you're like, fuck me, that's a small dog. (laughs) Yeah. They're huge. They're they're big, big, big critters. Yeah. 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 I remember one one time. So... (laughs) You probably know it. There is a parking lot on the west side of our city, and that parking lot gets filled with probably like 60 crows every single fall, 
And every time I drive, I like used to drive, I used to live on the west side. So every time I would drive past it, it would freak me the fuck out every single time because it's just this empty ass parking lot <laughs> with like 60 fucking crows. Was, yeah, like 60 crows <laughs> that used to just hang out there. And I was like, I don't even know why they're here, but they're here and they're here every year. <laughs> like, Yeah. But oh, man. Yeah. I think they're great, though. So do I. I think they're so cool. And I, th- I-, I love I love the idea of them being messengers for different deities or like, yeah, I guess for lack of better terminology, but like a familiar, a messenger, yeah. right? And connections to the connections to the afterlife as well. Right. So yeah. Also, that's really cool. One of my favorite Disney villains ever as a kid, Maleficent had a crow. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a raven that she used all the time. Totally. And he was great. And she uh, could see through him. Right. If you oh, if you think of uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, the three eyed yep. raven. Right. So that again, that connection to like being able to see through them, using them as like your vision or your sight. Right. Mm. There's just so mm-hmm. many really cool pop culture references that I think sometimes I didn't we, even touch on pop culture. I know. Yep. Yeah. There is so many pop culture references. Like I can think of like five books right there was now. One, there's one in Sabrina. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. There is a reunion in that. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the new one on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Good Have you shit. watched it? Um, not all of it. No. You should. I it's know. Good. I like. <laughs> I'm so terrible. You know me. I'm like. You get one season out I of know. me, if that. <laughs> You'd rather read a book. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so bad with television. I'm so bad. <laughs> Just in the midst of a 15 book multiverse. Yeah. 15 book cro- multiverse but three seasons too many <laughs> <laughs> and each one of these books are like six to eight hundred pages <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> well it's funny because i was looking i've been keeping a note of my books that i've read this year and like i've been marking them off and like writing little comments about what i've thought about each of them and trying to rank them yeah and I looked yesterday, I didn't realize it, but I've, I'm on my 33rd book for the year. Disgusting, but I, also very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, when I tell you I have been managing my mental health <laughs> through books this year, I am not kidding. I believe it. <laughs> Fully believe it. Yeah. But yeah, like like you said, I'll I'll head dive, I'll, I'll dive in head first to a 15, 15 book multi-series, multi series. Uh, <laughs> multi Multi series, multiverse, multi series, yeah, multiverse. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> but thirty minute episodes, three seasons. Ah, girl, I don't know. Oh, uh, seems like a big commitment. <laughs> seems like a really large commitment. Uh, okay, Libra. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I. It's so funny <laughs> that you say that because every time we talk about. <laughs> like our star signs i'm like buddy i am painfully libra like there is not even a question whether or not i am a, i am every stereotype that libras hold in the perfect little package just fully yep um but you know what else would be a perfect package getting some spooky stories from y'all yep sure would love that that would be the best little package to open up that would be the best gift yeah, would be the best gift, especially considering that we are doing spooky stories very quickly, like literally the episode after the next episode. Yeah, yeah, is spooky stories. So you got like this month, people. Yeah, you got a week. Let's get on it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Send that shit in. Get it done. Please. God damn it. <laughs> it's so funny. Begging you. We even talked, like, we talked about that message that we received from one of our fantastic listeners. Um, she had even yeah. said in her message, she's like, it's not a spooky story, but it's something. I was like. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, girl. fuck it. Let's read it. Let's just read it next time. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. Fuck spooky stories. This is the Holly and Felicia back padding hour. This is- <laughs> Come give us a confidence boost that we need. Thank you. We need compliment corner, please. Please. Compliment please, God. corner. <laughs> right yes, in there bitch. with the creature feature. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> I do think creature feature is going to have to be a recurring thing on this though because that that's fucking a1 my friend so (laughs) i wish i could take total um uh credit credit for it but it's um it's like a movie term so any movie that's primarily about Uh, a big creature is called a creature feature oh yeah okay that makes it's only from my vast knowledge of horror movie genres that i know creature feature Well, I like it, and I'm adapting it to the podcast. So, thanks, Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't Anyways, know. we should probably end this episode. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we love you all. Um, send in your spooky stories, and if you don't, in the meantime, <laughs> stay spooky. Bye!